How did Lucy die? Was she in great pain? Yeah, she was in great pain. Then we cut off her head and drove a stick to her heart and burned it, and then she found peace. Doctor! Please! Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted spooky fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And James isn't feeling well, so Colin and I are recording together, and James is remote, and as I understand it, he's sitting in a room where at all the windows and doors there's at least garlic, perhaps wolfbane. You know, might as well do both, stay in the safe side. Exactly, right? Um, So, because (laughs) this time we're going to be talking about Bram Stoker's 1897 novel, Dracula. I was going to say Bram Stoker's Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) We might talk about that too. You never know. Yeah. And we're going to be talking about at least a couple of the direct adaptations of Dracula. And uh, kind of like when we did A Christmas Carol, there's so many adaptations, it's hard to cover all of them. And so each of us has watched some of the other adaptations. And so we'll probably mention those a little bit, but we'll focus mostly on the 1931 Bela Lugosi, Universal Pictures, Dracula, and the 1992... Coppola directed Bram Stoker's Dracula. So that's most of what we'll focus on. And then we may do a shorter episode where we talk about more Dracula-adjacent stuff, or seems to be based on a character or some other part of the lore. Um, And uh, I've started asking people, like, what their favorite Dracula-adjacent stuff is. Dracula adaptations. Dracula adaptations. So I've I've collected a little bit of that as well. So just out of curiosity, how how many Draculas did everyone watch for this? Uh, Do you want to list them? Because I didn't count them up, so let's let's just let's just do this. Okay. Okay. You want to do it like like uh, chronologically? Sure. Okay. You you want to do it boggle style, where you say what you got, and I tell you if I got it too. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure. Okay. Uh, I think the earliest one is the 1920, 20, 1922 um, silent movie Nosferatu. Yes, I watched that one. James, how about you? I did. I did not watch that one. Okay. Okay. I couldn't. I couldn't stomach the thought of watching a silent movie right now. <laughs> oh. In our modern times. <laughs> nice. So then in the 30s, we have the universal one. Yeah, Bela Lugosi, the classic. Yes. Literally the classic. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we all watch that. I watched that one while eating a bowl of Count Chocula. <laughs> oh, that's stylish right there. <laughs> yes. uh, what was your next one chronologically? Uh, my next one chronologically is the 1970 Christopher Lee Hammer movie, Count Dracula. Okay. So I watched the 1958 Horror of Dracula with Christopher <laughs> Lee, um, which is the first one of the Hammer films. Oof. And uh, that's that one has Christopher Lee as Dracula and Grand Moff Tarkin. I can never remember his name. Um, yeah, Peter Cushing. That's it. Yeah, Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing yep. as Van Helsing. Yes. And then I also watched the 1972 remake of Nosferatu by Werner Herzog, um, which is quite good. Ooh. Okay. Uh, I watched approximately seven minutes of Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, doing or, or watching. <laughs> I, I, she must have been invented reaction videos, really. Sort of, yeah. 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 Uh, the, the Satanic Rites of Dracula. Which is another Hammer film. Yes. Yeah. She said it was so bad she was going to do her laundry and her hair during the movie. Just just get things done, have a you know, useful nice. use of that time. <laughs> what year was that from? 73. Nice. Okay. And then I watched the 1979 Frank Langella version. That I don't remember if it was made for TV or we just watched it on TV because that's the one I, that I grew up with. Um, yeah. Oh, so I, I did watch the 58 one that Colin mentioned. I did not watch the 77, 78 one. Okay. So you watched the one with Peter Cushing? Yeah. No, no, with uh, Christopher Lee. Yeah, yeah. And Christopher not Lee. Peter and... Cushing, actually. Yeah. Oh. Okay. The 58 one it, did there's have a, Peter bu- Cushing. There's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, there's oh, a whole yeah. bunch. Yeah. Buckets. Yeah. yeah. There's a whole bunch of them, so I didn't really know. Maybe I didn't really know which one to watch. I think I think I watched the one that's just called Dracula. Okay. Well, maybe if, it was if, Peter Cushing. Yeah, I, I was gonna say if 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 it was, did it also have like a Alfred from Batman, nineteen eighty nine in it? Like I said, I'm a little confused of all the Dracula movies well, I watched. Now. <laughs> part part of the problem too is that there's so many of them that are similarly named, and so like uh, you watch that video. There's a Cinemassacre video that is yeah. like, what is the most faithful version of Dracula? And he's like, first we got to go through how right. we're going to refer to these because like one's called Count Dracula, one's called Dracula, one's called Bram Stoker's Dracula, another called Bram Stoker's Dracula, and so <laughs> he's like, this is the Hammer Dracula, this is the the Coppola Dracula, this is the Langella Dracula, um, because yeah, there there the original Hammer Dracula was just called Dracula, but then it was retitled to Horror of Dracula in the U.S. Hmm. So it, it was a British film then? Yeah. Hammer film. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, think of Hammer films are almost like Roger Corman, but the British version. Yeah. They did them on a shoestring budget, but it churned them out too. Yeah. Yeah. The special effects in the 1970 Christopher Lee Dracula were just yeah 
absent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm confused. Yep. Okay, never mind. I watched the 1971 Christopher Lee. Okay, yeah, that's the one. Not that's the, the 1958 one. That's what Colin watched. Now yeah. I feel left out. I just saw it was Christopher Lee. I'm like, I kind of want to watch that because I like Christopher Lee. But apparently I picked the wrong one. I should have watched the one with Peter Cushing in it. That would have been cooler. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll have to ask you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Right. Did you watch any others? Uh, no, just, you know, so for like four and a half. Okay. I did see Hotel Transylvania oh, a few years really? ago. <laughs> well, that counts. Totally counts. <laughs> no. Um, and I have seen Dracula Unborn. Uh, not Unborn. <laughs> Dracula <laughs> Untold. <laughs> Um, but so I actually watched Dracula Untold and Dracula 2000 and Whoa. Dracula, the series on Netflix that came out in 2020, 2020, 2021. Something okay. Like that. And, and that one's kind of actually adapted from the book where like the Dracula Untold and Dracula 2000 are more Dracula adjacent, right? Because Dracula 2000 yeah, by its very nature sure. is not based on the book. No. Mm-hmm. Unless they were doing a new origin story story for him in this in the present time, well, and that's the problem with having the name of the character be the name of the book because yeah. it's a well, it's it's only a Dracula adaptation, so it's like, right, right. you know, what what are we talking about now? Yeah, now I did want to talk about this because there's some handicap to things that are so iconic when you're discussing adaptations of them. Or when you're even making an adaptation, right? Because, like, how do you tell a new Dracula story that's going to surprise anybody? Because everybody, like, everybody knows who Dracula is without ever having read the book. Like, like this was your first time reading the book, and you knew, to, knew a ton of Dracula lore, probably. Right, yeah. Some of it was yeah. canonical. Some of it has been invented and adapted over the years. Right, right. Um, that's but, what I liked about the Dracula Netflix series. Is they, it was actually really canonical. For one and a half episodes. Of <laughs> 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 the three episodes, it was really canonical for one and a half. And then it turns into kind of a what if thing mm-hmm. on the Demeter and then t- took off from there in the kind of a perpendicular, uh, adjacent direction. There you go. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Stick with the word adjacency. <laughs> yeah. You know, we've, we covered Frankenstein, which has a ton of adaptations. Yes. We, and like I said, we, we, we covered A Christmas Carol, a ton of adaptations too. But we, I don't think we've ever covered anything this iconic where it bleeds out into so much of culture, other than maybe like stuff with robots. Um, yes. But because, because like vampire lore is its own, is its own thing, right? Where, where we have a whole bunch of All stuff right. that's not remotely connected to Dracula, but it is connected to vampires. Yeah. Underworld. Twilight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Lost Boys. Uh, we only covered the Lost Boys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, True Blood, Forever Night. You know, there's a bunch of television. Oh, the Vampire yeah. Diaries. Um, there's a whole bunch of Interview with the Vampire. Morbius. <laughs> Morbius. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The living yeah, that's, vampire that's who's undead. Right Not. Yeah. That we we can talk about that one in the next episode. <laughs> but yeah, it, like it's so it's so permeated the, the pop culture at this point that like when you're reading the book for the first time, you can be like, it's. It's a vampire, dude. Uh, you know, it, it's, like, it's like when you're watching the prequels after you've already seen the original movies. You're like, oh, I yeah. mean, Palpatine's a bad dude. How can you not see this? Um, and so you, you right. feel like the characters are kind of stupid because of that. And I think you have some thoughts on that. Oh, yes, I do. Um, Although I think it's actually complete canon. I mean, you could be in the story and then... Sure. But we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So had, had everyone read the book before or was this also the first time? I mean, I know we've all had Dracula. You kind of grow up with Dracula lore right. being in the United I, States. I was saying it's like the first accent I right. ever learned to do, right? Oh. I've come to suck your blood right? <laughs> <laughs> Be- because, because of the count on Sesame Street. <laughs> oh, the children <laughs> right. of the night. Yeah. I, I think Count Dracula on Sesame Street might be my first uh, exposure to, to Dracula, period. Yeah, probably. <laughs> As a youngin. <laughs> yeah, or like Monster Squad or, or something from way back in the day. Oh, yeah. Um, or Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby-Doo, oh, Adam yeah. Costello. Scooby-Doo. Um, there, yeah, there's there's a lot of comedic portrayals of <laughs> Dracula, which is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dracula uh, and loving it. So, yeah, we'll talk about And this was your first time reading it, James? Yes. And, and yours as yeah. well. Oh, definitely. Okay. Well... Technically, we did read it over the summer, but I only read the first seven chapters (laughs) (laughs) so that I could read the required 15 pages for Last Voyage of the Demeter. Right. Now, this is another one of those ones where I started, uh, you know, I think Frankenstein might have been the first one that I did where I'm like, I'm going to read like old classic horror stuff. And so I read like The Legend of Sleepy Hollow Mm. and uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and and this and and a few other things. Um, And I think Dracula might have been the second one I did. Um, so it, it, yeah, it was probably 15 years ago when I read it for the first time. I was going to look up my, I like, I posted a book review on it, but my blog is offline at the moment. So, oh, 
I just remember I liked it. So I, I do think it's interesting though, like the the bits of vampire lore that definitely do come from the book mm-hmm. and stuff that does not. Because like if you the listener, think in your head, what are the vulnerabilities of Dracula? What are the abilities of Dracula right now? Right. Make a make a list and then pause. Oh, no, no, pa- pa- pause the podcast while you make your list and then uh we'll go through the checklist. Okay. <laughs> Should we round robin it? <laughs> sure. Okay. So what's 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 a uh What's something that we know about Dracula and his, his capabilities? What does he do? Uh, he sucks blood. He sucks blood. Yes. James, you got one? Uh, supposedly he's vulnerable to sunlight, but <clears throat> it turns out not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He doesn't die in sunlight. What the hell? Right, right. Shape-shifting. So shape-shifting. Everybody got that wrong. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, so then shape-shifting. Yeah, into uh, right. wolves, bats. Mist. Mist, rats. Mm-hmm. Sensitivity to garlic. Sensitivity to garlic. Which does not work in The Lost Boys. <laughs> but holy water does. Right. And the the wafer. Right. Yeah. Signs, signs of redemption, right? Communion the host, wafers. The holy host. Crucifix. Cru- crucifixes. Yeah. Holy water. Right. Yeah. Staking. Though, you know, think, think in your head right now, what is the essential property of the stake that you stake a vampire with? You're probably thinking wooden. But no, that's not correct. Um, it's sharp and goes into the heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Decapitation. <laughs> yeah, I think the essence is that it's supposed to interrupt the operation of, or the location of the heart, kind of like a, a bullet in a zombie's brain. Yeah, maybe. So whether you hit him with an axe yep. or shoot him with a bullet, as long as you get the heart. I've heard there's a lot of people that are vulnerable to that. <laughs> we should consult. We have a medical professional. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> it's because vampire is ultimately a love story. Yeah. Or Dracula, I mean, is ultimately a love story. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that is that is a question. Um, yeah, like James, you mm. mentioned sunlight, right? And and that's, mm-hmm. I, I wrote down, I'm like, The Lost Boys, Daybreakers, Blade, The Strain, Forever Night, Nosferatu, those are all examples of Dracula being, re- or, or vampires yeah, being vulnerable. all like subject to death by sunlight. Yeah. Except Dracula. Oh, and Underworld too, yeah. <laughs> and Underworld, great. yeah. And of course, The Daywalker. Oh, Interview with the Vampire. That's another interview with a vampire. Yeah. Being unable to cross running water. Right. Yeah. I'd forgotten about that. That And that's in the book. That is in the book. Yeah. Not hmm. not so much in many of the movies. I think a lot of that kind of got lost over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's also the bit about inviting the vampire in and that, that giving you that, that making you vulnerable in some way. Right. That's definitely in the Lost Boys. I remember. Yeah. The crossing water was an interesting one. The, like has magical fantasy properties to it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Well, same thing with you know, needing to rest in the blood yeah. of where you came from. Soil. 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 Yeah. Earth. The earth. Soil. Yes. yes. Boxes yeah. of earth. The, the, recipro- the reciprocal trading of blood to become a vampire. Right. So, so Drac can vamp you and you don't get infected. He has to drain you and then you have to take some of his blood and then you have to die. Yeah. And then you're unreborn into mm-hmm. the undead. Yeah. Anything else about the about the pop culture part of it? I, I think it's an interesting thing, just to because, like I said, how much it's permeated the culture. Um, one, one of the other things that, like, the, the iconic look, right, is is like caped nobility, you know, widow's peak, pale face, pale face, yeah. red lips, red eyes, yeah, red eyes, <laughs> and, and and that stuff all, of course, comes through the visual media. Yeah. So the kind of look is totally Lugosi. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Like, yeah, like yeah. you go get yeah. yourself a Dracula costume. At, at Spirit Halloween, right? It's the Lugosi version or the Langella version. It's, it's mm-hmm. essentially the same thing. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the sort of the history of adaptation at some point, but we could talk about the book, I suppose. We could talk about the book. Yeah. I listened to the audiobook this time just because I had it. Oh, I was going to look up because I bought the Chirp audiobook called Two Horror Classics, and it's Frankenstein and then Dracula. And unfortunately, it doesn't tell you where one book ends and the other one begins oh, in, the, no. in the chapters. <laughs> and so oh. I, had, I had to just, nope, next, we're still in Frankenstein, next, 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 next. And I was going to, I was going to put in the show notes, maybe, maybe if I'll, if I remember to do this during the edit, I'll uh, put in the, the chapter where Dracula starts. But it was a good, good audio production. Mm-hmm. Since I'd previously read it in print, I thought I'd do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, full cast or single reader? Single reader. Good job with the characters though. Oh, that's nice. So yeah. a good, solid accent? Good, solid accent work for, for both Dracula and Van Helsing. Yeah. And, oh. and Van Helsing is 
quote, helped along by, by the way his character is written. Um, but uh, the structure of this novel, um, <laughs> did, did either of you know that this was an epistolary, epistolary novel? No, no clue at all. Okay. And that's, it, it's like what the found is, what footage. What do you mean by that? It, it's, it's like a found footage movie, but in written form. Um, epistolary oh, yeah, meaning okay. that's the term for letters, right? It's uh, it's letters and papers oh, and news okay. clippings and and all that kind of stuff. And the and the book talks yeah, about yeah, how okay. it all got okay. collated together, which yeah. is interesting because that's always one of the questions. Because even even like the Hobbit technically is sort of epistolary. It's just it's like the final form of it. Um, yeah. Right. Although th- yeah, this is literally cobbled together from newspaper entries and journal, journal entries, entries and, and, and journal entries dictated and blogs stuff, yeah. and yeah. Uh, transcribed transcribed uh, recordings on w- wax cylinders. Yeah, yeah, yeah good stuff. <laughs> so, James, how did you how did you read this book? I did the Audible audiobook. Is that the one with? And, uh, and it was fantastic. It, so who who's who's reading that one? Uh, a whole bunch of people. It's like I like full cast. Oh, it is okay. Nice. Uh, let me bring it up. Yeah, Tim Curry, uh, Alex Cummings, I think it is. Alan Cummings. Like yeah, Alan Cumming. Yeah, Alan Cumming. Alan Cumming, Tim Curry, and then it just is full full all star cast after okay. that. That's but everybody, yeah, everybody was different. Everybody sounded awesome. Yeah, those are two good names. <laughs> it was right super cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. It was cr- like pretty dramatic. The especially once you get to like the later scenes and like the chapter in the twenties chapters, the the drama like they they really came through with the scenes there. It was great. <laughs> oh, during the actual hunting of Dracula. Yeah, so during yeah. like the Demeter chapter was pretty fantastic, and then in the later chapters where where Dracula's actually in the insane asylum going after Mina and John, mm-hmm. he had already killed. Uh, and the whole part, the part with Lucy and them doing the Lucy hunt and the kill, mm-hmm. that was also fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that was probably my favorite vampire death in the book. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I thought Dracula's death was extremely anticlimactic. Yes, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. extremely. I'm Very like, what much. the hell? <laughs> yep. But so in the 20s, yeah, when he's hunting through the asylum and turning to a fog and really going after Mina, and when he like forces Mina to bite him and drink his blood with John and like Helsing's there and all the guys, it was it was great. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, you did not take in an audio form. You read it in print and and had a wonderful time, just zipped right by. I yeah. Like I said, I think it'd be a great 200 page book. <laughs> hmm. Um in retrospect, and now watching a lot of the adaptations, I think I have a better appreciation for the book than I originally did, because mm-hmm. it's just slogging through. If you, if you read this book expecting mm-hmm. it to be like a story about Dracula, Dracula is like a third of the book. Oh, yeah. Most of the book is yeah. um, about the, the other, all the other characters. So there's Lucy and Mina and John Harker and... Um, Dr. Seward and Arthur and yeah, all of her suitors who you have to learn about in explicit, excruciating detail. (laughs) And it it does turn around and make sense after a while. (laughs) It does. Yeah. Um, And then there's a lot of stuff that just tends to drag on and on and on. Like there's multiple chapters where we watch Lucy. (laughs) Oh, Lucy's dying. Let's give her a transfusion. Oh, Lucy's dying again. We ran out of transfusion from this guy. Good. She's good thing. She's got lots of suitors. We can just line them up and suck them dry. (laughs) Who are are all the same blood type, of course. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah, I mean, so so I I actually had to look it up for when blood types were discovered. um, And I did write it down. Was it? After nineteen, it was, it was after eighteen ninety seven. Yeah, yep. Emily and I looked it up because Emily scoffed the entire time. So <laughs> we were listening to this on our road trip, and she was just going up in arms every time she heard this transfusion. She's like, "What?" Yeah. <laughs> now I know your this Tesla has the cap- capability of making internal recordings of conversations. If you did not get at least one of those to share with us, you're really leaving us out in the lurch. I, so. In the last voyage of the Demeter, I didn't remember because I hadn't read the book in long enough. I didn't remember all the blood transfusions, and there are oh, so many, so, so many. many blood transfusions. Yeah, oh yeah. And and I was like, what? How did, did they type and cross match? You know, <laughs> what are they doing here? Nope. And it uh, was hit or miss. Yeah. Well, it was because 1900 was when blood types were first discovered, and that was only A, B, and O. A, B wasn't discovered until yeah. later, and then the Rh factor is a completely separate thing. Yeah. So, um, Do you know? It it makes me wonder. So here's this book, which is, you know, fantasy and horror, but there's an aspect of science fiction to it because of this blood transfusion. Mm-hmm. And it was published in 1897. Mm-hmm. 
you ever wonder if because of this book that everyone decided blood transfusions were a great thing and so they started giving them and then ended up killing people and then that's how they discovered blood types like why are these people dying you know they should be saved just like Mm -hmm. in the book and okay so let's see how (laughs) realistic it is that you can just randomly tap a random person who's not random but like in in the orbit of of someone else so kathy do you know your blood type yeah do you mind sharing it's o negative okay kathy's o negative you a b positive a b positive james o positive okay i'm o positive as well so kathy could give to all of us but uh Nobody could get in. Colin could oh, give so to anybody. And iron luck and Colin's yeah. shit out of luck. Yeah. <laughs> My blood's worthless. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> Sorry, Kathy. That's okay. There's a lot of variety. There's also <laughs> other things that go into it too. Yeah. Different antibodies and things. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 trying to simplify it down to just uh, type and RH factor is, is not all of it. Right? No. There's exotic blood types. Yeah. So anyhow, that wouldn't necessarily, if, if you put all three of our blood in Kathy, it would not go well. Anywho, uh, that's it about that. Okay, can I talk about my gripes about Van Helsing? Well, let's t- let's talk about yes. Lucy, right? Because because oh. th- that's a thing I think could be forgotten, or like the people might not know is there's more than one victim of Dracula. Oh yeah, um, and and not in all the movies. In most of the movies, there there's two victims: one that he feeds on, that they start to get a clue to something's going on here, and then he goes after Mina, mm-hmm. and she's rescued because of her <laughs> her friend from earlier died. Um, but yeah, let's. Van Helsing isn't immediately in the book because it's Doctor Seward doing the original right. investigation, right? Trying to figure out what's going on with Lucy, and that's where you know, I, I, I think I, I will defend the book in spilling a lot of ink, introducing Lucy and why we should care about her because these three men clear, clearly all care about her, mm-hmm. and they care about each other, which which I appreciated. It's a good you know, male group, and even after one of them wins her affections and is going to marry her, the others aren't all. Ugh. Screw that guy then. I guess we're yeah, not friends they were, anymore. They were totally cool with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, so it it does go into kind of excruciating detail about all those men and, and what their what their suit is like with, with Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and of course you have I didn't remember that the that it was so long that Harker was in Transylvania. Oh, months and months. Um, and that and that he was there without tracking yeah. either. Didn't remember how far how long he was tracked trapped there. So that was kind of fascinating you know talking about popular lore i think that's something uh, when people say think about dracula they think about transylvania mm-hmm. but at least half of the book maybe two-thirds of it all happened in london yeah and then after they start kicking his butt and destroying all of his spawning holes <laughs> he runs back to transylvania to be yeah. true to type and then they chase him back there and then they kill him yeah and so you know the, the horror of this as it pertains to our culture is kind of over because dracula's dead right twice <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah, so let's talk about Van Helsing. So right? you think. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> haven't actually verified it myself. No. <laughs> you, you watched like movies five and seven of the Hammer series where he dies in the first one. So I'll just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're, they're, one of them is literally called Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. <laughs> um, and it's like he's resurrected by someone's tears or something because he's ash, because he's burned up because the sun. The sun. Um, yeah, so Van Helsing is brought in and. There's a lot of data gathered, right? Lots of lots of transfusions, and then lots of lots of study, and lots of leaving Lucy alone in various ways, or, or through misadventure, her getting attacked again because the, the maid came in and removed the garlic, or, or opened up the window, or, or her mother opened up the window. But what what are your problems with Doctor Van Helsing, other than the dialect as written in the book? Yeah. So the way Van Helsing speaks <laughs> is an awful attempt to talk about someone who doesn't speak English very well, right? Um, did you write down a I did. Let, let, me, let me pull this up real quick. <laughs> we have been blind somewhat, blind after the manner of men, since when we can look back, we see what we might have seen looking forward if we had been able to see what we might have seen. Alas, but that sentence is a puddle, is it not? <laughs> and there's an entire book of that, because he talks a lot. He talks a lot, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, you know, it removes, like, uh, subject verb agreement and lots of definite and indefinite articles and, and that oh. kind of stuff. I mean, it's anytime I, I really do struggle with books that, that try to capture a dialect. Um, well, well, there's like, that in here too. There's at least right. two or three dialects that are literally transcribed. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like folks on the, working on the dock and that kind of stuff. And it's yes. like it's a Cockney accent or that kind of stuff. Or like if you read any Mark Twain, um, there's a lot of, it's really <laughs> challenging to read. Yeah. 
Um, Mark that, Twain's that, obnoxious for that. <laughs> yeah, and that's why that's why audiobooks are so nice because if you get a, a fluent reader who can do it, it's great. Mm-hmm. But your other—that's what I thought was pretty good. This audiobook, they did that. I thought they did the accents pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my main problem with Van Helsing is he knew what was going on after a little while, and he didn't say anything. Like he didn't say, "We should really make sure that Lucy is buried with a cross." And uh, so they give her a cross and they go away and the maid steals it. And then Lucy reanimates mm-hmm. and it isn't until Lucy has uh, attacked and drained several children that he then says, Oh, well let's go and see if she's in the grave and what's going on. And it, at some point you think you'd say, this looks an awful lot like a vampire attack maybe right. before she dies. Yeah. Right. I feel like we've connected enough, collected enough evidence that we can draw this conclusion. <laughs> we can work on this, conclusion at this point and and then and move forward move from there um that that happens on things like star trek sometimes where it's like i think it might be this thing so let's spend 20 minutes verifying it <laughs> like well okay if it is that thing what do we do <laughs> well you do this can we try that will there be any harm if we try that no okay let's just do that then yes the blue for lady the blue for lady the blue yes. for lady yeah yes I, I missed her in almost all the movies we watched <laughs> yeah she was in a, in a couple of them yeah not a whole lot, though. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that it's it's easy to to judge uh, Van Helsing and go, you were pretty sure, though, right? You could you could have let people in on it a little sooner, and I think it may have been that like he's like, if I tell them this now, they won't believe me, and like they needed yeah, more that's, but I but I don't think he wanted to sacrifice Lucy either. Yeah, but by doing nothing, it's what worked out, right? They could have gone vampire hunting earlier, so they did this so. Lucy gets converted into a vampire and that's part of the storytelling. Yeah. Right. And then these guys are so smart. They make exactly the same set of mistakes again with Mina, with Mina Harker. (laughs) Yes. Who they all profess. (laughs) So, so these three guys say how awesome Mina is and they all want to marry her and she becomes a vampire and they kill her and they're heartbroken. And as they're going through this, they get to know Mina and then they say all the same things about Mina right, right. and they're like, we're the men are going hunting. You stay here next door to the, in, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you, you the said, insane asylum you said, where the vampire is. You said Mina both times, but I, you meant Lucy and then they tra- Lucy. kind of transfer their admiration to Lucy, right. uh, to, yeah, yeah. to Mina. Sorry. I did it in two and the movies do it too. That's the thing. Like it flip flops the names in, in several of the adaptations. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. But, but yeah, because like, in a lot of ways, Mina is sort of the hero of this story because she gets Jonathan's journals and he tells her, I've really been through some crap in Transylvania. Here, if you want to read them, go ahead. But I can't and, because it destroyed my mind. Right. And, and, and so she's like, you know what? I'm going to seal this up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust my husband and not do anything. And then weird stuff starts happening. She starts reading the journals. She goes through all the – she collates all the newspaper clippings, uh, does like a transcription of Dr. Seward's journals off of the phonograph uh, because she is learning to be a stenographer essentially for um, like a legal secretary for, right. for Jonathan. And she's the one who puts it all together into one form and hands it to everybody so that everybody can read it and go, okay. And it's not until then that everybody's really on board. And and so no, I, I think Van Helsing until he had all that information wasn't, wasn't ready to act. Once he had it all laid out perfectly. Maybe he's just one of those type of people. <laughs> kind of slow. Yeah. Very deliberate. Yeah. Need multiple bodies to be convinced. Right. But, you know, if they had kept Mina in the loop after they drew all their conclusions, she wouldn't have been vulnerable. If they had taken Mina with them, yes. she wouldn't have been vulnerable. Exactly. Yeah. But they leave her behind. They're like, okay, 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 little lady, you know. You've done well. Way to go! What you, you type most beautifully, and your your induction and and uh, deduction are really really accurate and on tap. Now you stay here in the insane asylum, which is right next door to the vampire's house, while we go all through the city and leave you by your lonesome. Right? Yeah, that was a mistake. Yeah, that was the that was the other part that annoyed Emily the most too was the uh, extreme sexism of the book at the end there. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're like man thought and the woman thought. Oh, they say that so many times. They say it so many times that, Mina, you, you almost have the brain of a man. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, well, that's a way to go with your, your low expectations there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were talking about like the stakes and stuff earlier, where and, and the anticlimactic ending, where they, they chase him back to 
um, to where he is, and they have the psychic connection with Mina in order to be able to track him to figure out, okay, he's still aboard ship. Right. And they realize it's much faster to go by land. Mm -hmm. um, and so they, they meet him there, and Jonathan slashes him across the throat with a kukri, um, and... Uh, That's it. And Quincy stabs him in the heart with, a, with his bowie knife, and, and that, then he crumbles right. to dust. Bowie, and bowie knife. It's, bowie knife, Seth. It's, bowie knife. It's bowie, dude. No. It is not like David Bowie. Really, maybe this is a book about Mina and, and women's rights and boo-ee. Booey. Booey. Wikipedia says so. Fair see? <laughs> nope, can't see that. It looks like a white big blob. <laughs> no, that's that was me. Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, when, when I was attempting to defend the, the book to Colin, because I knew he wasn't super enjoying it, I was like, well, it, this is a story about a bunch of men who are standing up to an abuser who has abused a friend of theirs and they won't let him abuse another friend of theirs. They will sideline her so she's vulnerable to him. But uh, Right. <laughs> yeah. There was one like, section the that I, I really, really <laughs> took to, mm -hmm. and that's when Mina goes to uh, Jonathan in the insane asylum where they, where, uh, they get married. Mm. And so remember, this is all written through letters, and this letter is written from Mina back to Lucy. Lucy has announced that she's going to get engaged. And Mina has just gotten married. Yeah. And so this is, this is what she says. Well, my dear, what could I say? I could only tell him that I was the happiest woman in all the wide world and that I had nothing to give him except myself, my life and my trust. And that with these went my love and duty in all the days of my life. And my dear, when he kissed me and drew me to him with his poor weak hands, it was like a very solemn pledge between us. And then you counter Aww. that with the, the rest of the book with things like, even his stalwart manhood seemed to have shrunk somewhat under the strain of his much tried emotions. <laughs> or, or, uh, this was manifestly a prig of the first water and there was no use arguing with him. <laughs> so one thing I want to talk about, about the, uh, the adaptations is how much agency Lucy has, because the book kind of has her fall under Dracula's thrall, not really in any way her fault, right? He targets her, right? Um, gaslights her, essentially. I mean, he hypnotizes her. Some of the movies make it a little more where she has a little more culpability. Like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. There's no Jedi mind trick, right? Or, or, or there's some, but some of it is her own veniality. These are not the platelets you are looking for. <laughs> yes. So anything else to talk about about the book, James? No. Did Emily like it other than the, you know, Victorian sexism? Yeah, I think in general, we both enjoyed the audiobook. It was, it was good. Cool. So, adaptations. Uh, there is an early adaptation of Dracula that is entirely lost to time. There are no, no copies remaining of it. Um, I think from... It was a silent film from the early... Oh, really? Yeah, from... I can't remember what the time frame on it. It must have been 1920-ish. Mm -hmm. um, and then, huh. then some German guy decided... I think if the book was written in English, I can just adapt it and change some of the names and I'll be cool, right? <laughs> so he made, he, he was like, it's Count Orlok, not Dracula, duh, and, and made Nosferatu. And the, the widow of Bram Stoker got wind of that and said, no, this, mm, you, you no. shall not pause. And, uh, and sued the crap out of him. And it was, there was an order issued to destroy every copy of Nosferatu. And some of them survived. Really? Yeah. So Dang. some of them survived and it's considered a masterpiece of, of silent film. So <laughs> yeah, the music in there is, is pretty good. Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, it's, it's performances of things that might've been under copyright, maybe not at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now. Well, and it, it, it takes a very like the, and the, the Cinemassacre video talks a little bit about like one of the points of fidelity is what does Dracula look like? And it says explicitly he has a mustache and, Oh, How yeah. many adaptations show a mustache on Dracula? Not very many of them. I, just Bram I think Stoker's. It was just the one. Bram Stoker has a little bit, but he doesn't always have no. a mustache. Right. No. In his he didn't. Form. He didn't have a mustache in uh, Transylvania. Yeah. No. Old Drac is a uh, clean yeah. shaven. Yeah. But the, he was an old man with a mustache, and the only one that had him old man has a mustache was that nineteen. I think uh, the fifty-eight one. Is it Chris, Christopher Lee? Yeah, Christopher Lee. Fifty-eight one. Yeah. Yeah, um, Christopher Lee. But but like yeah. Nosferatu is this very rat-like looking uh, thing. Right? Yeah, he's bald with a big forehead, great big, huge pointy bat ears, mm -hmm. yeah. and then long, long creepy fingers. Yeah. And the, and then the yeah, teeth. bat things, bat thing, Seth, bat thing, not rat thing, bat thing, 
<laughs> bat thing. Yeah, that's more. That makes more sense. Proper Batman. Uh, but Man but bat. and and even the <laughs> the fangs are closer together than you usually see. Right. That's what makes it look like more like mm-hmm. a rat. But but yeah, that was that was interesting. So then there's a stage play that goes on to great success, uh, over, like over 200 performances, I think, starring wow. Bela Lugosi in 1924. Yep. And that ends up um, sort of being adapted into the 1931 film. So when when Carl Lemley... Sort of. Well, sort of. According but, to the credits, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. So, well, this is the reason. Because Carl Lemley, when he went to create the movie, uh, mm-hmm. bought the rights to the book and bought the rights to every stage play adaptation of Dracula so that oh nobody gosh. else would have the rights to it. Oh. He wanted Universal to have the exclusive rights to it. Forty grand. Whoa. Was what he spent to to get the exclusive rights in 1930. Yeah, wow. Um, this Dang. and this is. I mean, think about 1929 stock market crash, right? So it's not like the, it's a good economy. No. <laughs> um. So so yeah, it wow. makes makes the Universal movie with Bela Lugosi, who's obviously studied quite well, being that character. Yeah, kind of like uh, getting Robert Preston from The Music Man. <laughs> I didn't know about that. Yeah, he was on the stage as well. I believe so. Okay. But uh, but yeah, smash hit, Dracula. I don't I don't have the box office numbers, but it it was a critical success. Of course it was. It was a, it was a great success. movie. Yeah. <laughs> did, did both of you guys watch it? Yeah, I watched it uh, yeah. with my family a couple days ago. I, I watched it a few years ago when I bought that that uh, collection that had all the Universal monsters on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yep. Got um, it. And uh, they so do I, not make movies like they used to. <laughs> yeah. No. no. <laughs> uh, because well, I think it's, short for one it's like eighty one minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Evidently, it's short, but like doesn't feel rushed. I, one of the Christopher Lee ones I watched just felt really rushed. Christopher Lee was, was like, barely God, in the nineteen fifty eight one, so yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Where this this one, and, and I wanted to talk about this. Who was the main character of this book? I think you Wait, could say that movie. lots of people. I mean, it could have been Mina. Yeah, she's she has most of the most of the playtime, but so does uh, Van Helsing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it's kind of hard to pin down, right? Because it's not Dracula. He's not in three quarters of the book. No. So right. um, where, where in the Bela Lugosi movie, he is the main character. Like oh, he is spotlighted. Yeah. And, and he's, you, you can, like, I, I watched the movie this morning and like, you can absolutely understand how that became the iconic portrayal. Right. Yeah. The the suaveness, the smiling, the accent. Yeah. Um, I, I was noticing, uh, so they don't have a lot of special effects in 1930. No. But a lot of times when they show Lugosi, they highlight his eyes yeah. and shadow everything else just to bring out yeah, the how eyelines. intensely. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote this down in particular because yeah, his his intense eyes and his visage, I think, were just fantastic. And then especially when he got into like the vampire gaze when he's hypnotizing people mm-hmm. was brilliant. I think overall he like is the embodiment of dragon. It was great. <laughs> I, I think the movie's actually And all the really... imagery in the the imagery and the the castle scenery was really cool too. Yeah, and when they're there in Transylvania, I thought it was really awesome. They did a good job for being nineteen thirty. Sweet. They yeah. reused a bunch of those sets too. Oh um, really? Yeah, they built them, and and so you know why not reuse them? And we've, I think we've seen them in some other movies. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, I I like too because he's so charming when he's just you know good evening. I realized we forgot to do the mm-hmm. accents at the top. <laughs> yes. <laughs> ah, the children of the night. What the music they make. Um, music. Yes. But uh, he goes from that to when he gets, you know, when he like sees a mirror or sees a cross or something. And the change in his, his aspect is really good. Mm-hmm. It's good contrast. Like when he's facing down Renfield at the end. So that's one of the main changes, right? Harker never goes to Transylvania. <laughs> Renfield goes. Yes. And that's yeah. why he becomes crazy. Yeah. And, yeah. and a sycophant. And that's another good performance. He's, he's fantastic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's actually something that got carried forward in several other movies. In Bram Stoker's Dracula, Renfield was the first realtor accountant they sent to go work with Dracula. Yeah. And he came back a greatly changed, diminished man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The book doesn't really ever say other than he's a patient of Dr. Seward. I looked. I, I couldn't find it. I'm like, it's just... One of his patients is eating bugs. Yeah. I want to say that there might've been an explanation at the very, very end where he's dying and becomes lucid again, but I I can't get it down and remember what he said. Mm. Interestingly, there's no fangs, no visible fangs on, on the 31 Dracula. It shows, it shows the marks on the neck, but it doesn't, he, he never has the fangs in his mouth. Yeah. I guess that's true. 
He just has canine teeth like all of us do. Right, right. Uh, it kind of cracked me up at the beginning, uh, toward the beginning of the movie. It shows hands coming out of coffins and opening them, you know, yeah. and it's just kind of creepy. And then there's a little a bee crawling out of a little coffin. I'm like, is that a little undead bee? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, was that a bee? I thought it was a cockroach. Oh, I thought it was a bee, but it, it could have been a roach. I don't know. Oh, but I did notice. I did notice the little little bug crawling out of the mini mini uh, yeah. coffin. <laughs> I thought, I thought interesting was also the cacophony of animals he had going on down there, too. Yeah. Because rather than, like, rats, there were possums. And then in and one armadillos. Of the scenes, there, there was, was an armadillo. Armadillos. <laughs> yeah. And Emily and I were wondering if that was a nod to uh, Quincy Morris. <laughs> oh, from Texas. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, how do they have armadillos in Transylvania? Come on. <laughs> it's always fascinating to me in adaptations – that little changes that don't seem to be necessary are made. Um, you know, not that I mind. I'm mm. just like, why is the ship, the, the Vesta instead of the Demeter? Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Like some of it, I get like Nosferatu is not set in London. It's set in some German town. Right. Um, and that's yeah. fine. Well, and the really interesting thing about Nosferatu is in, in most, in the other books and movies, Dracula is the villain. And in Nosferatu counts, count Orlok, the Nosferatu is the villain. But he is known because he brings the Black Plague with him. Right. And at first I thought it was him just mm. vamping everybody he could get his teeth into. But no, mm. I mean, he's really brought this disease and it travels <laughs> with him like a cloud or something. And Yeah. Yeah. The, the, Miasma. The Hers- <laughs> yeah. The Werner Herzog movie really draws a line under that. Because like there's complete with like people just dining at tables out by the canals with rats all over the place. And Whoa. they're just like, well, we're all dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> crazy that that one the funny thing is like if you if you took an if i took an audio sample of dracula from that movie as as played by oh now i forgot his name it's not max shrek uh, it doesn't matter um you would think it was rami malik <laughs> it's a hundred percent even even the way he looks i'm like is he played by rami malik um and i don't think he's gonna play him in the the update that's supposed to be coming out the, there's i think think I've heard that the shooting has actually, principal photography is already done for the Nosferatu remake. Wow. So. Directed the third by, remake? Yeah. Directed by Robert Eggers, who did The Northman and wow. uh, The Lighthouse. Oh, wow. Yeah. So oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I think I think he, he might bring out something interesting. Do you think it'll be like Nosferatu, the same like bat looking dude yeah. kind of thing? Or? Yeah, I hope so. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, it's true. It wouldn't be much of a remake if it wasn't. Yeah. So, so the other thing that, you know, 30s movies really had to be careful of running afoul of censors, but Mm -hmm. like, it's not like the censors really got a hold of your movie before it went into theaters. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, uh, and so there are some scenes that were cut from the original version of it. And so by the time it got to home video, we don't, we don't have like, Mm. there was a whole monologue that ended the movie. um, And they, and they had to back off some of the more violent parts of it. Um, oh, really? And so, like, like hmm. that's why you know, at the end, you just like, well, Van Helsing, uh, I'm, I'm gonna, here, here's Dracula lying in his coffin. Yeah. There. There's no fight. I'm just gonna, <laughs> here's the stake, and then the camera moves away, and you hear him pounding on it, and you hear this oh, little yeah. moan, and that's it. That's that's the way it ends. It, it kind of captures the anticlimax of the book, honestly. Right. Well, and given yeah. that they don't and have special effects with like, ending. like fountains of blood or yeah, you know, fireworks going off or yeah. So, so Christopher Lee. Made a ton of movies as Dracula. Yeah. And we've seen Christopher Lee, right? Mm-hmm. He was uh, Count Dooku. He was Saruman. Mm-hmm. And it was so weird seeing a younger Christopher Lee. His voice was like an octave higher. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I was expecting this deep, rich, dark voice, but no, it was much more of a, a baritone like like I have most of the time. Mm-hmm. Which means, hey, maybe in 20 years. Maybe. Hey. <laughs> yeah, and that, it, you know, the Christopher Lee was the first Dracula that had the fangs, other than Nosferatu, which wasn't Dracula. <laughs> it was Count Orlok. Right. <laughs> I don't know. You think if she won in court, he was Dracula. Yeah. Well, and that's where the red eyes came from, too. And and you do, the book references the red eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, Several times. Yeah, but we didn't, we, obviously it's harder to do in black and white. Yeah. Yeah. Um. The dialogue in the again that 1970 Christopher Lee Count Dracula movie. Mm-hmm. Do you enjoy the chase, Mister Harker? Which brought me right back to the most dangerous game. Mm. And um, <laughs> come Renfield, hunt with me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's not Renfield. What was that? It's a similar name. 
Rains- Rainsford. Rainsford. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then at th- when they're at the clinic, somebody says, a certain Count Dracula. And right as soon as he says Dracula, Renfield screams. And I'm mm. thinking, oh. Uh, Blucher? Yes. <laughs> Blucher. <laughs> Frau Blucher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, one thing that I thought was, uh, so anything else to talk about about the 31? And then we can sprinkle in some other ones if we want and, t- and then talk about Coppola. Okay. James, anything else? 1931? Nope. Did Emily like it? Eh. No. Okay. <laughs> she was kind of Dracula'd out by now. By yeah, then, yeah. I think. <laughs> um, the 1979 version is also explicitly adapted from the book and the 1924 stage play. Oh. Um, and so it's, it's very similar. Yeah. Uh, the styling of uh, Frank Langella, which for my entire life I've been saying Langella, and I learned <laughs> it was Langella recently. Oh. <laughs> I feel bad. Um, I do like to get people's names right. But it is slightly modernized to the point, so I think it's set in like the twenties, and so when they're when they're doing the blood transfusions, they actually mention blood type. So, so I thought oh. that was kind of cool. Um, but it's much more like I was I was talking to my sister Katie about urban fantasy and paranormal romance and the mm-hmm. line between it, and she's she's like, well, you know, urban fantasy is fantasy creature, but in modern times, paranormal romance is all of that. But sexy, <laughs> sexy creatures in modern. And that's times. exactly what I thought about the Langella one. Was it's so like it's it even says like a romance, Dracula, a romance or something. Wow, um, I can't remember what the what the title. That's because said. Dracula is a romance novel, man. So I'm mm-hmm. telling you, it's and a love story. In that '70s version, uh, <laughs> Laurence Olivier plays Van Helsing. So that was wow. Cool. Should we talk about Mr. Stoker? Let's talk about uh, well, talk about Mr. Coppola. Mr. Coppola and, and Mr. Stoker. And, and Mr. Coppola Mr. And, and the stacked cast of 1992's Dracula. So many name stars in there. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. The casting oh, yeah. is puzzling in a couple of ways. But, um, I mean, Gary Oldman, I don't think was like, I, this was the first thing I'd seen him in. Um, and I saw it at the Tiger Cinemas in, <laughs> in uh, Tiger, Oregon. Um, <laughs> but uh, Anthony Hopkins, you know, Keanu Reeves was big at the time. Yes. It's still bonkers casting uh for this uh winona Ryder also sort of bonkers casting for it they're both pretty i will say well and she carries it off really well no you don't think think she's terrible (laughs) oh wow i I, I thought i I, I was like you know don't sleep on how bad her accent is it's it's not as bad as keanu's but it's not very good and and i didn't find her convincing at all so huh yeah at all if it worked for you that's fine um I, I I did not like it. Um, I, I, th- I think I, thought, I was more distracted by Keanu. <laughs> yeah, yeah, obviously. Like it's it's and his lack of really working that role. <laughs> it's it's the canonical bad accent in in all of film, really. And other than like yeah. Kevin Costner not really even attempting an accent in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which honestly I think was the right move. Um, oh, yeah, I think it's better not to have it than to do it badly. Yeah, yeah you do the John Malkovich accent. Sounds yeah. like John Malkovich. Yes. Um, the, so the rest of the cast, though, we have Anthony Hopkins as Van Helsing, Richard E. Grant, Billy Campbell and Carrie Elwes as the, the suitors. Um, I thought there was somebody else who Tom was... Tom Waits as Renfield. Yeah, he's fantastic. Monica Bellucci as one of Vampire, one of Dracula's wives. Yep. Who was later reunited with uh, Keanu in uh, The Matrix Reloaded. Uh, and asks for Reloaded. kisses then, too. Yep, yep. She's got a thing for him, so just... <laughs> So, uh, I think I heard somebody describe this movie as lavish, and I think that's the right word. Oh, yeah. Visibly lavish, for yes. sure. It, and it, it's extra. It's all so extra. Like, like we, we did the Coppola <laughs> version of Frankenstein, and we're like, wow, this is melodramatic. And this movie definitely has that as well. Yeah. I, I'm more thinking of, you know, like all of the shadow play and all mm. the things to look for, like, you cannot see him in the reflection of that window. Yeah. All the little subtle things that are there all along that if, if you know what to look for, I think add to the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and the costumes were incredible. And so were the sets. Yeah. The book does not talk about where Dracula came from. Van, no. Van Helsing hints that he's from an ancient family and that he, that he perhaps was related to Vlad the Impaler. Right. He just kind of hints at that. This movie makes it explicit, but not just explicit. It, it, it draws a, here is a reason that he became Dracula. And there's a lot of explicit in there too. There is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Very. 
<laughs> and, and it's it's a very over my, my wife and I were watching it <laughs> I was like oh sorry this we're watching it it doesn't seem to have the subtitles on I gotta try and turn those on she's like it's dramatic enough I know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> so she's like it's like a silent film but with with sound uh, a nice tie-in is that the screenwriter for this movie was also the screenwriter brought in to do the final final version of Last Voyage of the Demeter oh so he's done a couple of Draculas separated oh, really? by 30 years Cool. This movie, you know, it has Winona Ryder playing two roles, right? She she plays Elisabetta, the wife of Vlad Tepes or or whoever he was, right? And then she plays Mina later. Mina Har- Mina Murray later Har- Harker. Yes, that's and, right. And it really leans into that reincarnation thing, and this is where it gets a little bit mm-hmm. where her some of her agency is restored, but not to her character's credit. You know, it, it makes right. her a little more culpable. Uh, she's kind of a horn dog the whole whole movie, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I guess so is Lucy. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like 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 you hear of scenery chewing and and the <laughs> Gary Oldman in this movie is he's fantastic. <laughs> Can you imagine the amount of time that poor man must have spent in um, makeup oh, and yeah. costume and? Yeah, because I could I could rattle off what six or seven different different looks that he had in the movie. Yeah, you've got monster monster Dracula, old man Dracula, young man Dracula, Wolfman Dracula, Wolfman Dracula, butt man head, bat butt Dracula. Dracula. Oh, that's the old man one. Yeah, yeah, where, where he's got the weird butt head. Oh yeah, what was with that? It right. <laughs> must have been the style of the time. Very weird yeah. wig. Ugly cry Dracula. Um, where where he's in that that that, that scene with all the candles. Oh, um, yeah. and then like at the end in the in the chapel when he dies. Yeah. Lots of, lots of makeup time for that guy. Yeah. It, you know, this movie sidelines Jonathan for a lot of it, just like the book did. And, yeah. Um, and it definitely brings Dracula more as the main character, just because of kind of the way it begins and the way it ends. Right. It, it begins with those two characters separated by reincarnation. Mm-hmm. And, and there's yeah. a mirror to it, right? Where she's dead in the chapel and then he's dead in the chapel. So I yeah. just, just thought of that. That's kind of, there's some thematically cool. It, yeah, it's a it's a Romeo and Juliet thing. <laughs> yeah, I hope that the Almost actress who played that. Lucy got paid by the moan. Oh um, gosh, she would have raked <laughs> raked in the money. <laughs> I I do like like the man bat form of Dracula in this one. That was pretty cool. Was pretty sweet. You know, aside from the change to Mina, and I think that's that's really pretty egregious and bad, horribly bad. It's really very <laughs> canonical. Yes. Um, you, there's yeah. a couple of things that they dropped out, but the, the major change is, you know, taking Mina away from being their chronicler and someone who is equally on a mental par with Van Helsing mm-hmm. to just kind of like, oh, she's, she's a wanton. She's cheating on her fiance who's now been yeah. gone. Yeah. Well, they turn turn it into a more of a right. romance thing, right? Where he has traveled across the gulfs of time to find her. Yeah. That's pretty dramatic. Uh, it was a big moneymaker. Cost $40 million to make. Grossed 216 Nice. In revenue. Yep. And and it, it was it was kind of iconic, too, just in terms of in pop culture, like at the Oscars or any anytime someone was doing a skit, uh, you know, like weird hair Dracula would show up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was cool. Oh, the, the, the butt wig? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I know, I know for a fact that it makes an appearance in Dracula Dead and Loving It. Oh. I have seen that movie. I do not want to rewatch that movie. So if one of you wants to, you go for it. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. You can suffer right along with this, buddy. I, I Controversial <laughs> thought here. Mel Brooks has one good movie, and it's Young Frankenstein. Spaceballs was fine for 12-year-old me, 13-year-old me. Blazing Saddles. <laughs> okay, Bla- Blazing Saddles is good. But most of his movies are garbage. So, unfunny garbage. <laughs> I guess I don't know how many of them I've actually seen. Spaceballs. Spaceballs sucks. That's what I'm saying. Spaceballs is a terrible movie. It's not very funny. Oh, no. Back in the day, you thought it was incredibly funny. It has three or four very funny scenes, and the rest is all like low-hanging fruit, obvious jokes. So, And Dracula Dead and Loving It is 100% low-hanging fruit, like lowest common denominator, mailing it in. So, hmm. Okay. All right. Let's watch it. <laughs> Challenge accepted. We'll see if, see if I remember that correctly. You're obviously watching it with the wrong frame of mind, Seth. I mean, there, there is that, and and I have tried to 
disciplined myself recently to <laughs> to go into things trying to like them and usually successful. There are just a few things that I'm just like, nope, couldn't do it. Uh, it's better than doing it the other way. It is. I mean, you don't want to go into things not wanting to like them. Yeah. Although everything written before 1900, I just, I shudder now. It's like, really? Okay, we'll do that one. <laughs> War of the Worlds? You want to you read the War of the Worlds? I'm going to try. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So on my other podcast, Science Fiction 101, Phil and I always try to have a, a past thing from science fiction, a current thing in science fiction, and a future thing. So it turns out there is a, um, a performance group across the river in Vancouver who tomorrow night is doing a live recreation performance of Orson Welles' original War of the Worlds radio script. Yeah. So they'll be on stage. We'll get to see them do it with all of the Foley and sound effects and, and acting or not acting. Um, I'm really excited for it. I'm going with Tim. <laughs> not going with you. Might go with this guy. Let's talk about that later. Okay. Anything else to say about the Coppola movie? It is lavish. It is definitely a production. It is definitely extra. Keanu is definitely <laughs> terrible in it. I, I did find a, an article from I don't know, Screen Rant or something that was talking about Coppola wanted Johnny Depp, but he wasn't a big enough name at the time. And he would have been, he would have been uh. really good. You know, I, I think he's a weirdo in a lot of his movies. <laughs> uh, he was coming off of Edward Scissorhands, which I've never seen, just because <laughs> if you if you paint Johnny Depp's face white, I don't want to watch it. Um, there's something, so it just creeps me out. And, wait, uh, wait, are you mean... You mean Johnny Depp for Dracula? No, 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 no. For for Jonathan Harker. Yeah. Oh. For Harker. Oh, okay. okay like okay, he okay. could have done a creditable okay, accent, okay. right? Honestly, yeah. I think I, I wish they would have just gone, look, Keanu, the accent's not working. Don't even do it. Nobody cares. And I wouldn't have cared. <laughs> Besides the fact that the accent that he's going for was not the accent of England at that time. So. Yeah. I mean, it's the acceptable Hollywood norm that, that, that everybody for all time has spoken RP. But yeah. Uh, and then I think Christian Slater was another one who, who was on the list um, to do it. And Charlie Sheen. <laughs> oh, but really, oh, wow. any of those three would have done a better <laughs> job. Uh, Charlie Sheen? Sure. He, 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 can, he can put in a dramatic performance. I've seen him in a couple good movies. With accents. Don't know about accents. <laughs> okay. So, but again, don't really care about the accent. Um, and Christian Slater sort it of half did an accent in Prince of Thieves as well. <laughs> accent, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, I, I mean, this this will sound funny cast an Englishman. No, couldn't do it. <laughs> Wouldn't happen. Yeah. No. Except for Gary Oldman. Gary Ellis. Richard E. Grant. Richard E. Grant. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins, but you, you cast him to play a Dutchman. So. I, I liked his performance. It was a little wacky at times. <laughs> ben Helsing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I liked it, what he said a whole lot more than was written in the book. I think yeah. that was a big improvement. Yes. Well, and I, I remembered... Imme- like I've always remembered the civilization and civilization line. <laughs> In fact, when, when we started watching the movie, I thought I remembered it opening with Anthony Hopkins teaching his class. I might've sent an email right after that to my friend who teaches the uh, children and families nursing course at my school to dare her to put that into her. <laughs> nice. We'll see if she bites, but it'd be kind of fun to see if that, if that works out and what the students think of it. Cool. Well, if James heard that, that means the mic might have picked it up. So yes, didn't know oh, I needed to mic my wife. We'll have I to fix that for that. next time. Yeah. Kathy particularly liked the Bella Lugosa movie, nineteen thirty-one. I got a he does creepy very well, which yeah. is a huge compliment for Dracula. Mm-hmm. Has anyone done any like research to see popularly which is the most popular Dracula movie? It's got to be the Bella Lugosi. I would think so. Don't you think? Yeah. I do I recommend so, you, yeah. you watch just, the cinema. based on pop culture references and stuff. The yeah. costume at Halloween Store. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and the monsters and, you know, it, it's all, everything's styled after him, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, even all the successive movies with uh, Christopher Lee and uh, the other dude that I haven't watched yet, Langella. Langella. Yeah. yeah. Um, they all look like him. <laughs> yeah. I really liked that one. Yeah. I, I watched it the other day, and I thought it was fantastic. So. Langella. Yeah, I okay. think I think that's my favorite of the oh. sort of direct, more direct adaptations. Um, and we will we we will perhaps talk about some of the more tangentially inspired stuff. Technically, Blade Three is sort of is is Dracula adjacent because Dracula is in the movie. Oh, um, and and I I will want to talk about Renfield because that was fun. <laughs> okay. Well, should uh, should we rank them? We should rank them. 
uh, are we ranking what we've mutually watched or ranking everything that we each watched? Uh, let's let's watch what we've mutually Ooh. watched. Or rank what we've mutually watched. And but then if you if you have something that you want to slide in there too from your other watching, go for it. Okay. Colin? Oh. Um I actually haven't thought much about this, so I'm I'm gonna kinda go off the cuff. Uh the Bell Lugosa movie, Lugosi movie is really good. And it's such a classic. Yeah. And it's nice and short. Yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> the most canonical movie that I watched was the nineteen ninety two Bram Stoker from yeah. Coppola. Mm-hmm. But man, there's a lot to it. And it just yeah. goes and I couldn't get into it that much. Um the the book is really not as bad as I'm making it out. It's it's not my favorite book. <laughs> Things do kind of turn around and make sense in the end. It just takes a long time to get there. I I would love to see an adaptation where Mina is the focus character. Yeah. From beginning to end. Yeah. And that would be cool. Um kind of restore her agency from the book. Mm-hmm. And see how that works because like you were saying, right? You know, in in the mm-hmm. book itself there really isn't a main character. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't have to be Dracula. It it can't be Harker. It couldn't be Han Van Helsing or anybody else. I will say that the especially the seventies Nosferatu remake. Uh, I think she's Lucy, not Mina, in in that one. But she is absolutely the hero. People b- basically don't believe her, and she's the one who figures out how to destroy him. Oh, and she is the one who destroys him. So, um, so it's a little little more of a mm, you know cool. feminist hero kind of thing in that one. Very seventies. Yeah. So you should watch that one, James, the 1972 <laughs> remake. Langella? No, 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 Nosferatu. No. Oh, Nosferatu. Okay. Yeah. And there, th- that, the interesting thing with that one was uh, Werner Herzog is German, of course, and so he recorded it, or he, he shot the movie shooting scenes in both German and English so that he could re- release it in both markets. There are some, a few places where it's obvious that they shot it only in German and just dubbed in the English or <laughs> shot it only in English and dubbed in the German. Oh, But there's a lot of scenes, um, like, like big monologues are done in both German and English. Hmm. So, so yeah. Okay. If you go to the, the version on Canopy is the German one. Okay. Right. So you, you ranked them? Yeah. Anything else you want to throw in there of other things that you watched? Uh, I would, I mean, the Nosferatu movie is a silent film is an interesting thing. Yeah. And the music was really good. It's the camp shorter. was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, 87 <laughs> minutes. Oh, was it? Okay. I guess it was, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, oh, wow. maybe we watched an extended version from Canopy. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's probably worth watching once for the experience. Maybe. <laughs> Hard to tell. I liked it. What about you, James? What are your rankings like? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go with this audiobook that I listened to, and then the 31 and 1992. Cool, cool. So, yeah, I guess L- Lugosi Coppola, in that order in particular, because I, I think I really, really like watching that Lugosi movie, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was actually pretty fun, though, after watching the... I mean, yeah, it's been a few weeks I've uh, watched the BS Dracula. <laughs> so it was good, like you said. I agree with everything you guys said. It was lavish and fun. Yeah. But... I think I really like the Lugosi movie just because this is Dracula. This right. is perfect. This is exactly what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. It was uh, cool. And then the audiobook was just fun. And uh, I'll slide in a, a kudos to the Dracula from Netflix series because the series was really cool. Mm. It was properly gory, properly creepy, and a lot of great acting. Yeah. So I'll go book just because I, I do enjoy it. Um, but but and, and the funny thing is, Going into this, I was not looking forward to rewatching the Lugosi movie, the, the 30s movie, because I had watched it and I was like, wow, that was anticlimactic and really short. And um, and I think I watched it right after reading the book, you know, and so so I was just a little let down by it. Mm. But then the, knowing... The really short was a big plus, though. It, it was. And, and rewatching it this time, I was like... Call it agrees. Okay, like I can see like there's some really cool directorial moves and the stuff like the way they lit Dracula and the yeah. way they they centered mm-hmm. him yeah. as this iconic character really, really raised it in my estimation. So I'm, I'm going to go book 1931, yeah. 1992. And obviously, like I said, the 79... Langella version was was my favorite. If I was going to slide that in there, I'd probably put that first over the book, even. Wow! Just because that's Dracula to me, because that's that was the Dracula that gave me nightmares. Um, <laughs> because there's a point where he he like crawls down the outside of uh, the building to outside either Lucy's or Mina's bedroom, and and like all of a sudden you see him hanging upside down in the windows. It's super creepy. So, um, and yeah, and he was fantastic. So I think that wraps it up for this time. So let us know what are your favorite uh, sort of Dracula-adjacent Dracula adaptations. Um, 
we talked, we mentioned Renfield, we mentioned Dead and Loving It. Mm-hmm. Um, there's <laughs> there's many other things that sort of feature Dracula. Um, Once Bitten. Is Dracula in that? I mean, the Dracula 2000. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm thinking more like, you know, pop culture vampirism, yeah. which right. came from all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and we can, we can talk a little bit about our favorite sort of bits of vampire fiction as well, because there's a lot of them. Um, that that I enjoy. Okay, and uh, Sarah Elkins, um, listener, Patreon Patreon supporter, uh, sent sent me a audio drop to use for her favorite. Okay, bit of, and, and it's sort. Of, I I told her I'm not sure I can play it in the Dracula strictly ad- adapted thing, just because it's a Dracula survives kind of thing, and oh, that okay. makes it not strictly an adaptation. All right, thank you everyone, and we will talk to you next time. Until then, may the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Bye bye bye. Yeah. Oh, you beautiful babes from England for whom we've traveled through time. Will you go to the prom with us in San Dimas? <laughs> it would be a most triumphant time. Poetry. Feel it right here. Yeah. I'm pointing at my it's heart a, for those that can't see that. It's, not it's, not it's, any other body part. It's a it's a poem I memorized during Bill and Ted's excellent adventure.